I'm feeling the Christmas spirit right there. First Christmas song at church. Glad you guys are are here with us. Uh, It always is that time after Thanksgiving. It kind of moves into uh, Christmas time. And if you're a Christ follower, uh, this is actually probably one of the most important times of year uh, because we do celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And we are launching a series like Matt mentioned. It's called Into Our World. And we're going to be describing really the process that took place and how Jesus coming to this earth and dwelling among us really brings meaning to Christmas. It brings opportunities that we've never really known before he came. And so he really is uh, the difference and the reason that we celebrate here at Church in the Valley. And so we're going to be spending uh, three weeks really describing uh, the process of his birth and, and the difference that that makes. If you've never seen me before, my name is Alex Barrett and I'm the pastor at the Alhambra campus, a new church that we started uh, almost two years ago, two years in February. And uh, Randy and I, uh, we rotate uh, every kind of four to six weeks or so, but it's been a little bit longer than that because uh, he was in Germany and some different things. And so he's speaking today at the Alhambra campus and I'm here in Diamond Bar with all of you. And it's, it's great to, it's great to be here. And so if this is your first time, um, my name's Alex. If you've been a while and you don't know who I am, my name's Alex, but I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Um, like I mentioned, this new series is going to be looking at kind of the birth of Christ. And we're going to be focusing on kind of three dimensions of that. Today we're launching really how Jesus stepped into our world. Next week we're going to be talking about how he stepped down uh, to meet us, how he stepped down from being with God and it being in heaven with him and, and stepped down to, to earth so that we may actually have hope and we may experience God's love. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how he stepped out. He came and, and wasn't just a kind of a figurehead, but he was actually somebody who came and stepped out to meet the needs of people. And that's really a theme that you see throughout the life of Jesus. There's this sense that he was always stepping into the mix of people, relationally, conflicts. He was always trying to get into the mix of things. So people could see that, that following God is actually something that makes a difference in this life. And so when we talk about Jesus, it's easy to kind of think of baby Jesus that is in the stable in the the little hay bed, but it's, it's so much more than that. It really represents this active pursuit that God unleashed so that we may actually know him. And so that's really the context of what we're talking about. Now, every Christmas, uh, there's usually a few characters that uh, kind of are talked about as well besides Jesus. And those are like the Grinch and Scrooge. And if you are like me and you watch like DuckTales, Scrooge McDuck was the, was the other option. But really, Grinch and Scrooge represent really the opposite of, of Jesus. Now, the Grinch, he withdrew uh, from people and he was really living a life isolated and despised Christmas and the holiday cheer. And there's always this label we try to avoid at Christmas. Nobody wants to be the Grinch, right? But in August, when you go to Costco and they already have the Christmas trees out, that wells up in us. We're all a little Grinchy. Uh, Scrooge is the same way. Uh, He really didn't treat people kindly and really was just focused on money and work and how do we make the most out of this time and didn't want to slow down really to celebrate. And it kind of rub people. And in both those stories, there's this sense of at Christmas time, we don't want to be the Grinch and we don't want to be Scrooge. They're terms we frankly want to avoid. 
But the real reason is, is it's, it's more than avoiding being those types of people. Oftentimes, the Christmas time is like, you know, we want, we want to be kind. We want to have holiday cheer. We want, to, we want to give. We want to serve. And there's kind of this sentiment of goodwill. And we all kind of want to experience that. And so you see people and you want to maybe smile a little bit, bit more. Uh, you, you see needs and you want to meet them maybe a little bit more than, than you used to. But the thing is, more than just the sentiment of goodwill and holiday cheer, uh, kind of leaves you trying to figure out, well, what does that mean I actually should do? What does that mean for actually what Christmas is all about? And that's why the Bible is so important, because in the midst of sentiment and different attitudes that we have, the Bible actually gives us clarity. This is what Christmas is about. And in the clarity, you can find actual practical help for how we should act, how we should think, and and really what we should do. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in this series, is how the Bible provides really this sense of what Christmas is all about and what that actually causes us to do. And so I'm just going to read, I'm going to start at the beginning of Jesus' life. Now, how many of you have heard the Christmas story before? Right? It's probably not new to any of us. But like me, no matter how many Christmases I've spent on this earth, there's a sense in which I need to be reminded about what it's all about. Because in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the deals and Black Friday and shopping and prepping and Christmas decorations, there's a sense in which we can be busy and we could be doing lots of things. But we need to take a step back and say, okay, what, what is it that Christmas is all about? What is it? And so let's read the scriptures and let's find out. We're going to go back to Matthew chapter 1. You'll be able to look here on the screens. But this is kind of how it all began. It said, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, betrothal, this is like a commitment. They are going to get married. It's like this deep commitment. We are a pair. We're going to get married. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, they weren't yet married, but this betrothal is kind of this commitment that you actually have to to break. And so he probably didn't think when he started liking Mary that she would be with a child from the Holy Spirit. That had never happened before. And so he's thinking, this is a crazy situation. I really love her. I really respect her. And I'm just going to end this right now to cause minimal damage. And he was trying to do a noble thing. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph, but he, sorry, but he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's considering, what do I do? What do I say? How do I work this out? And in God's goodness, an angel came and said, in all your confusion, in all your freaking out right now, because you have no idea what's happening, let me explain some things to you. So he appeared in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Continue in this commitment. Continue to be betrothed. Move towards marriage. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So we've heard that before. But there are some actual fascinating, crazy things 
that are happening. You have this couple that really had faith in God and tried to follow him and do what he says. And then in the middle of this earth shattering event, Mary was going to give birth to the son of God, Jesus. And you read that passage again and again, and you see this sense of do not fear. Do not tremble. Do not be alarmed. There's a sense of this. This is craziness. And you could see that Joseph. That was all that he was feeling, this sense of there is just something that I've never experienced before. There's something that no one has ever experienced. And the angel comes to him and he breaks it down. Now, what's interesting, if you are fearful and you're confused and you're trying to figure out, Joseph, in this moment, what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to think, all the things are going through his mind. The angel comes to to say, it's going to be okay. Let me explain this. But what's interesting is in the description, I don't know if I'm Joseph, some of the descriptions would actually add to a little bit of my, uh uh-oh, this is going to be crazy. Listen to the description. Jesus, this baby, he's going to save people from their sins. Could you imagine that? Don't be afraid, Joseph. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. God has made this happen, and he's going to save the people from their sins. Now, we all have high hopes for our children, right? You know, they're, they're, the pregnancy's going on, and the birth's about to happen. You, you kind of sent, like, man, I hope they have a good life. I hope they're healthy, and you kind of wonder what they're going to become and who they're going to be and all these things. But I don't think any of us have thought, you know, these people, our kid, it's going to change the world. We don't think that. And I'm sure Joseph wasn't thinking that either. But in the midst of this do not fear, there was this description. This is who he is. He's going to save people from their sins. Okay. All right. So you just said not fear. But at the same time, you just blew up my world. This baby is going to do that. You imagine just all this confusion that he faced. And then they gave another description, the angel. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. What? okay, I get this Holy Spirit stuff in this baby and I'm still trying to figure that out. And I'm still trying to figure out this Jesus saved people from their sins, but a God with us, what, what, does that, what does that mean? God with us. And so you can imagine, Joseph, in the midst of all this new information that's coming, would have been confused, overwhelmed. But what I love about this story is he woke from his dream and what did he do? He obeyed. He did what he was told to do. That's amazing to me. And when I was rereading this story, there's just the sense of all the stuff that was happening that has never happened before and has never happened since. Joseph, he he obeyed. He did what he was told to do. And that's really the beginning of the story of Jesus Christ. He uses ordinary people to be a part of what he wants to do in the world. Mary and Joseph, there was nothing special about them. They were just like you and I. They were young, in love with each other, trying to live for God. And then Jesus entered and changed everything and changed history and changed their world and changed the whole entire world. Now, why is that significant? Well, you've got to read some more scriptures to kind of get the more complete picture of what happened. And you find that in the book of John. What you find in the book of John is really this account of Jesus entering. So taking the story from Matthew and in the book of John, you find a different picture. And this picture is really that God stepped into our world when Jesus was born. 
That's what that Emmanuel means. God with us. See, God had led the Israelites. He was their God and they were his people and they followed him. But there had never been this sense of God with us here in the flesh. They couldn't look at God. God was all powerful. He was loving, but there wasn't this, he was in the flesh. And this is the first time in history that it had ever happened. And it's found in the person of, of Jesus Christ. And this idea of God with us, that changes everything. God with us. And so John writes about that in John 1, verse 1. This is kind of a further description of the difference that God stepping into our world meant. This is what he says in verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word represents Jesus. That means logos. There's this idea that Jesus is the eternal spoken Word. He came to deliver the message of God's plan for all of us. And Jesus had been from the beginning. He'd always been where God is. And it's a description of the second person of the Godhead. It's God the Son, Jesus Christ. So he's... The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So John is setting up this picture. You've heard about Jesus and you heard about how he was born. But let me tell you, this is what John's saying. Let me tell you and let me bring you behind the scenes of really what happened here. The eternal God, the son, left his place. And came to earth to dwell among us. Now when I think of Jesus, oftentimes I think of the sentiment of that. But I forget the magnitude of what that means. Especially every Christmas. And all that I'm kind of thinking about. And spending my time doing. There's a sense in which we can miss this idea. The word which was from the beginning that dwelled with God, Jesus Christ, came to deliver a message to us. And John further explains. He wanted everyone to know. This is what Jesus was all about. It wasn't just about his birth. It wasn't just about his death. It was about the message that he came to bring. And he says in verse 14. And the word became flesh. That's really a description of the incarnation. The word Jesus became flesh. And he's fully God. And he's fully human. We don't quite understand that, but he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father. Listen to this, full of grace and truth. He dwelt among us and he's full of grace and truth. Grace is really an undeserved acceptance and love received from another. So he came to bring to us something which we did not deserve and he was full of grace and truth he's full of redemption he's full of truth and clarity this is what it's all about this is the picture john's saying in all that's happening the eternal god dwelt among us to bring the message of grace and truth and then he goes on in 16 and 17 and from his fullness we have all received now hear it again grace Upon grace. For the, Lord, the law was given through Moses, and then grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
So what John's trying to do, he's trying to connect kind of God's plan from the beginning. And it's helpful because since Jesus was been there, he's connecting the dots for people. Because again, people have never understood and experienced this idea of God with us. What does that mean? And what's this distinction between God, the God of Israel, and who's this Jesus, the son? And, and there was confusion. And so he's connecting these dots. And you can find it in here, the picture. For the law was given through Moses. So God, through Moses, established the law. This is how you should live. This is how you should behave. This is what you should do. But what happened is the law turned into something that we all tried to do. And we all do this to kind of be good. It's kind of back to that sentiment. How can we spread goodwill and good cheer? And we all try to figure out how can I be a better person? How can I be nicer? How can I be kinder? And that's kind of all of our attempt to earn and to be the person that we think we should be. But in the law, there really is the sense of we missed the mark because we can't keep it. We can't keep all of God's commands. But this was part of God's plan. He gave the law so we'd know this is how you should live. This is what God demands of us. This is the life that humans should live. People that follow his commands and do what he says. But we've all missed the mark. And what's helpful is you see in that description... The law came through Moses, but but grace came through Jesus Christ. And so really it's describing the frustration that we all face of trying to do things on our own. Now, do you ever get frustrated at Christmas time? Have you ever tried to put lights up? It's frustrating. We have an artificial Christmas tree that we've had for 12 years, and it served us well. But yesterday, its life ended. And it was a pre-lit tree. And I turned it on and I was plugging it in. The kids were all excited. My middle son, is he's singing Christmas songs and he's so excited. And I plug in the tree and there's literally like 15 lights out of 400 that work. And I just plugged it in and I started to kind of thinking through scenarios all of which would probably not be good. Like, okay, well, how important are lights? <laughs> Second, if they're important, what if I just buy a strand and stack those lights on the lights that don't work? Right? What if I strobe light it in the middle? <laughs> I actually didn't think of that until now, but I would have not thrown my tree away if I would have known that. But that's the sense. It's frustrating. You get the lights and one light doesn't work. The whole thing doesn't work. And yeah, there's new technology, but it's 12 years ago. They didn't have that. It was broken. And it's frustrating. And, and I just started looking and the kind of the holiday cheer just turned south real quick. It's like, joy to the, where's the lights? They don't work. And it's just depressing, like an unlit tree just standing there looking at you. What have you done for me lately? Your tree doesn't talk to you. It's frustrating. So I picked it up and I threw it away. And that just represents kind of the sentiment that we all face in life. It's like we have lights that don't work and we're going to try our hardest to kind of get it to fit right in here and and everything will work. It's kind of, we want everything to flow right. We want everything to work right. But the law represents, we're just kind of strands of Christmas lights that just, we try to connect things and the lights don't go on. 
We keep trying to fix it. We keep trying to finagle it. We keep trying to kind of get people to do what we want. And we try to think the right things. We try to do the right things. But we, we end up, it's still just frustrating, vexing. What you find is, in Jesus, you have a relief from the frustration because you have somebody who came to help us. And somebody who came to say, you've been trying to earn it your own way. You've been trying to do life your own way. And this is why he's the person who came to save people from their sin. You can't do it. You can't get back to God through good works. You can't get back to God by goodwill. You can't get back to God by trying to do the right things and say the right things. That's what Jesus was all about. He came to say, this is how you come back to God, through me. This is why it had to be God in the flesh. And that's what Jesus Christ represents. Jesus entered our world to meet our deepest need. This is why we talk about Jesus as being the gift. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty good Christmas gifts in my life. I remember in 1992, I got the Nintendo. And I, it was a few years late. But I remember when I got the Nintendo and I opened the box, I don't know if I saw a light <laughs> or high-pitched singing, but it sure felt like it. I just remember opening that, and it was like the greatest Christmas I'd ever experienced. Honestly, it was like my life changed. After three weeks, though, eh, when's the next one coming out, right? Is there a better game? Sega, what is that? You know, all these things. Sorry, women, you have no idea what I'm talking about, probably. Sonic. Uh, anyways. I digress. But in, in the greatest gift that we've ever been given by somebody, it, it's still just the gift that just fades away, right? It does. But Jesus coming to earth, that's why we have to continually, again and again, look back. That is the greatest gift. Because he saved us from ourselves and our attempts of trying to figure out life by ourselves. That's what Jesus is about. He came to save us. From ourselves. And he met our deepest need. The need to actually know how to live life the way God intended. God made us. And when we live life on our own, and we're not doing what our creator has asked us to do, there's that frustration. There's that apathy. There's all those things that where life is not flowing and it's not going well. And Jesus came to say, stop trying to do it by yourself. I have come. That you may know life and know it in its fullness. Know what it's all, all about. So he came to meet our deepest need. And so the stepping in of Jesus is really this. He, he ran to people and their problems. He came to serve. He came to show people, if I've come and I've been with my, my God, my Father, and I'm here to show you how to get back to Him, I need to get to where you are. I need to show you this is the bridge back to him. This is how you can figure out how life works. And so he stepped in. It's like in a burning building. People, they, they run out. But God, through Jesus, he ran in. He wants to save people. And it all begins with his birth. It 
all begins with his birth. That's why remembering Jesus Christ and how he came makes all the difference because it represents the fact that he came in to meet our deepest needs. And that's why stepping in is something that he calls us to do as well. So if you're a Christ follower, we really have an obligation to step into our world as well and meet people where they are. And we all have different kind of relationships in our life. Uh, neighbors, family, co-workers, friends, classmates. We, we all have these different intersections of people. Their life intersects with ours. And the point of Jesus coming was to show this is how you get back to living the life God wants from you. And the point of Christ's followers is the same. This is how you get back to the life that God wants from you. It's pointing people back to Jesus. And he's given us an opportunity as well to step into our world just like he stepped into ours as well. That's why this is so powerful. That's why Christmas represents an opportunity like no other. Because people are trying to figure out, what's it all about? What's the celebrating? Why am I here? There's all this time of year. I think God works in just this significant way in the hearts of people. Because it represents this historical event that happened, that John testified to. So just as Jesus stepped in to meet people's deepest needs, he gives us the opportunity to meet needs as well. Not because of what we have to offer, but because we follow him and we want to do things his way. So really, this is a renewed sense of how do we step in to the worlds of people like Jesus stepped into ours. Now, if you're like me, there's, there's barriers that exist. When you start talking about trying to help people and love people and serve people, there's always barriers There's things that we have on our minds. There's things that we have in our life that are consuming us. And we just want to pursue them at all costs. Last night I was watching these Black Friday videos of the craziness of the sales. I don't know if you guys have done that. The Black Friday sale where it's like one at this price and there's one in the whole store. And there's 50,000 people all wanting it. That's an exaggeration. But there's this montage of videos of Black Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday of just these people like cell phones. And everyone's like, cell phones! It's like Oprah, but it's not free. You have to pay for it. Cell phones! And people are just, people are falling down and like they're hurtling them like it turned into the Olympics. People are falling down and they're, they're getting in fights. And it's like Black Friday, Merry Christmas. Signifies the coming of the, the holiday season. But that really does represent kind of in our heart, what's all going on. There's things that we want, and we want it really bad. That's why people do that. It's the same in our life. When we want something really bad, we want people to kind of cooperate with us. And it's the same with trying to serve and love people. There's barriers. Uh, Some of them, it's busyness. We've got a lot going on at work. We've got a lot going on at home. There's all these things that we have to kind of coordinate, and we're just overwhelmed. And thought of helping people, where does that fit? So busyness can, can overwhelm us. There's also fear. How can I help somebody? How can I show love to somebody? I, I don't really know them that well. I don't know what they're going to say if I try to reach out and help them. And so fear can cripple us. Uh, there's bitterness. We've been hurt by people. And just like the Grinch, we kind of withdraw. 
And as long as people have enough distance, everything's going to be okay. And so fear can prevent us from kind of stepping into the worlds of others. There's frustration. You try to help people. You try to love people. You try to serve them. And it just seems like it's never good enough. We all had that experience. So that can be frustrating. Uh, technology. There's actually a real difference that technology makes in our world. We're connected faster. We can do things faster. We can also be disconnected faster than we've ever been. It's true. Technology is a barrier to stepping into the worlds of people. And I'm guilty of this. You know, I'm relating to my family and my kids, and there's kind of an email I want to check, or there's a post I want to read. But technology can kind of prevent us from stepping into the worlds of others. It can. And there's actually stats on this that show teens, which represent probably the most usage of technology, teens that have actually kind of experienced this sense of they, they kind of would have liked a world before Facebook. Now, if you're older, that's kind of a funny statement because you think, well, yeah, that's like my childhood. But there's people that have lived in the Internet age with Facebook, and that's all they know. And that connectedness is actually not connectedness at all. And that's sometimes what technology does. It gives kind of the, the impression of connecting with people, but there's no real interaction. You're not stepping into somebody's world. Really? So technology can, can be a barrier. Now, do you throw your smartphone away? No. Do you watch out at Black Friday deals? Yes. But there's a sense in which all these things, from fear to technology to frustration to busyness, all those things prevent us, especially this time of year, from stepping in. But when you see that through Jesus, grace upon grace and grace and truth, you get the sense of this grace and truth is exactly what people need. They need to know that no matter what they've done, God loves them. They need to know that despite the confusion of all the various ways people want to live and how they want to do it, there actually is truth. There is actually a way to live that pleases God. And there is a way to live that does not. People are actually wanting clarity. And people are wanting grace. And through Jesus Christ, they can find it. So as we step in, there's a sense in which we can actually share God's love with others. There's a handout in your program that's called Into Our World, Sharing God's Love. I'd like you to pull that out, if you can. And here's just some ways, if you're thinking, how can I step into the world of those people that I connect to, whether that's my neighbors, whether that's my friends, whether that's my family. What, what are some ways that I can do that? We just put together this handout, and I suggest you put it somewhere that you can see it kind of throughout the next few weeks and think of how can you step into the world of others. And I'm not going to go over all these, but you see, with, with family, uh, you could maybe make a phone call to, to express care. Maybe it's to a parent, maybe it's to a sibling, maybe it's to a child. A phone call. How can I express care and, and that, I, that I love them? Uh, with friends, how can you encourage somebody that's discouraged? They're in stress. They're facing problems. And you hear what's going on, but there's a sense in which, what do I say and what do I do? Well, pray and ask God to help you, to give you the words to say something or do something that actually could encourage them. That's what Jesus did. He stepped in to encourage and point people 
back to God the Father. Uh, with, your, with your neighbors, uh, learn the name of your neighbors. Now, that, that could be funny. But you know what? I've lived in various places for years at a time, and I've never known my neighbor's name. It's like, hey, guy across the street that always grabs a trash can when I do. That's a really long name that doesn't really work. That's how it is. There's a sense in which, even if you've lived at your place a long time, and if you've never really interacted with your neighbor, now's time like, hey, I have lived here a long time, and I have never met you officially, and I'd just like to know your name. Could you imagine that kind of interaction? That could make a difference to somebody. Somebody cares enough to ask me what my name is. That can go a long way. Now, if you're introverted, you know, that may be something you work up to to Christmas Eve. Like, okay, I've got now until Christmas Eve to say that. There's a sense in which you, you, you care about people. You ask them their name. You ask them how they're doing, and you actually listen. Uh, with coworkers, classmates, is there somebody that's overwhelmed that you could help? You can ask them, how are you doing with this project? Is, are you able to do it in, in time for the deadline? Are you able to do it? Do you need any help? Pay for somebody's lunch. These are all ways that you can step into the world of people. But here's the key. We need to pray that God will help us to connect the dot, that we're doing this because this is what Jesus did. We're doing this because of the grace and truth that he has given. And so it could be a kind gesture, but ultimately we want to pray for an opportunity to share. This is the difference that Jesus makes. Now, if you've never shared with the people in your life, if you're a Christ follower, God may be leading you. That's just something that you need to share. Just the difference that Jesus has made in your life. This Christmas could be the time that you've done that. If you've been investigating what it means to be a Christ follower and you don't really know, and you're trying to figure that out, at Church in the Valley, we want to help you learn about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so if you're confused at that, please grab somebody that you know, somebody that's told you about this church, or you could talk to somebody on staff. We would love to just help define that for you. So I just want to encourage you. Just think about the opportunities that this season represents. Because Jesus came for a reason. And that reason is to point people back to God the Father. So we have a real opportunity to do that. Uh, as I wrap up, the band's going to come up. And I just want to walk through a few next steps. And we, we do these each week. And this is just a way of saying, okay, based on what you've heard, what are some things that you could do practically this week to kind of apply that? And I don't know if you actually pick one of these each week, but I I encourage you to do so. Because as you do that, it gives you a sense of here's actually something tangible that I could do. So the first thing is maybe you just want to pray daily for your neighbors. Maybe it's not just in your neighborhood, but the people that you intersect with in your life. Maybe you could pray daily for that person, that family until Christmas. Just pray for them. Ask them if there's anything you can pray for. That's an opportunity. Just pray for those people in your life and pray every day until Christmas. Uh, you may want to show love and kindness and pray God, you know, God will give you an opportunity. And so maybe it's just one of those things on that handout. Just ask God, God, give me an opportunity to do this with this person and, and see what God does. This could be an opportunity where we can actually step in and make a difference in somebody's life. And then the last next step is give uh, to the Christmas offering. And I just wanted to briefly 
walk you through. I know Randy announced it last week, our Christmas offering, and there's a handout as well in your Christmas offering. Once you finish filling out the connection card, uh, there's a handout that has uh, this logo on it and some information about what we're giving to this year. Part of us stepping into our world as Christ followers is to give financially to different ministries. That's a practical way. Without money, it's really hard to help people. And ministry costs money. And so this year, uh, we're giving to a few causes that you'll see on the back side of that card in your program. And we've decided to set a goal this year just to kind of, in faith, say, God, we, it'd be great if we could meet this goal. And the goal is right there, $12,000. Uh, that's more than we gave last year, but we think we could stretch to do this. Uh, as a church, both campuses will be giving to the, the same thing. So what does $12,000 look for the people of Church in the Valley. Well, we decided to break it down for you. This is what it could look like if people stepped out to give. One person could give $12,000. Let's pray. No, just kidding. But one person could give it, and then we'd reach the goal. Uh, 25 people could give 480. 50 people could give 240. 100 people could give 120. 150 people give 80. 200 people give 60. And yes, it's written down. And yes, I'm reading it. Because if I start to do that, I'd be like, 12,000, carry the one, give. But that's what it would look like. And so we're not doing this so you can, okay, which one do I need to do? But just give you a sense of this, this is how you could practically give as well. And so I just want to ask you, just pray about that. How could you give and, and pray about that? And so I'd like to pray uh, just for all of us as we, we step out and for this offering. Just making sure you guys are awake right there. Don't fall asleep. Not yet. All right, let's pray. God, we do thank you for Jesus Christ and really the difference that his birth made for all of us. God, we thank you that in your love you sent him, you sacrificed him, and you gave him to us so we could see what following you is all about. So we thank you for the grace and truth that he came to bring. We thank you for the kindness that that represents. We thank you for the truth that shows us how to live. And so God, I ask for all of us that you'll give us a sense of how we can show the difference that Jesus' birth really has made for our lives personally in the way that we treat people and our attitude towards people. God, help us to Think about how we can reach out, how we can step out of our world into the worlds of others. So I pray for opportunities, God. Pray, God, give us opportunities that, that we've never seen or known, that when we see it, we'll know that it's from you. So God, I ask that you'll just give us eyes to see and the opportunity and, and your courage to reach out. Also pray for our Christmas offering, God, that you'll allow us to give uh, sacrificially and allow us to really help reach and uh, minister to the different ministries that we're partnering with. So we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.